This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The pitch, a swing and a drive, deep left field. Welcome to the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron. That ball's hit hard and deep to left field, backing to the track, to the wall. And the countdown to opening day show presented by Amron. Wainwright picks out the sign. The pitch is swung on a miss. Throw to second base. Strike him out. Throw him out. Double play. On the Cardinals Radio Network. It is that time of the week. Welcome in. It's the countdown to opening day show here across the Cardinals Radio Network alongside of Mike Claiborne. My name is Matt Pauley. We are getting closer and closer to not just spring training, but opening day less than a month out from pitchers and catchers reporting. Claib's always good to be talking to you. And now that winter warm-up and Cardinals caravans are in the rearview mirror, it feels like baseball is just about upon us. It is. And uh, you're right. The, the warm-up and just everything that took place, including the caravan, uh, is something that for me is is the start of it. And then things start to ramp up a little bit. We start getting closer to spring training. Uh, you got your roster set before you go in. You're starting to look around at maybe a couple of last-second additions. You kick the tires on the free agent market, and you take a call or two on maybe somebody looking to get traded. And also you're starting to develop your step camp and making sure you have the right minor league guys that can come in earlier before camp starts just to get a feel for things. So, yeah, things are picking up. You were out on a caravan. I was as well. I was struck by the fact that Cardinal fans are, are are so excited, and nobody's happy about what happened last year, but it seems to be that maybe sometimes the negativity that we're hearing a lot on, on social media or on radio, there, there's a lot of people that are just excited about Cardinals baseball coming back soon. Well, if you want to judge your team by what's said on social media, then you're in for a rude awakening because 98% of those who take shots are probably not in the loop, uninformed and unqualified uh, to really assess what's going on, plain and simple. I mean, it's just the nature of the beast. But you have a lot of other people who have hope. And, and I always tell people this. Uh, we saw something last year that, we, that we've never seen before and kind of like Halley's comment, probably won't see again. Hmm. Uh, this this team is going to be better. Uh, I think they've made some improvements, and my feeling is they're better now than they were the last game of the season for, for a lot of different reasons. And I think there's always hope, uh, optimism if you're a Cardinal fan because that's what you're more accustomed to. There are a few different narratives coming out of the, the press conferences at winter warm-up that I thought were notable. Let's start with Brendan Donovan kind of emerging as a leader. And we've talked so much this offseason about, from a pitching standpoint, bringing in a Sonny Gray, a Lance Lynn, and their impacts in the clubhouse. But from a position player standpoint, and not that pitchers can't lead position players, but we all know that it's good to have leaderships from all different corners of the clubhouse. It really seems like Donovan is that guy that's taking on that role of trying to be that vocal leader inside the clubhouse. Yeah, that's an interesting way to put it. Um, Donovan's not raising his hand to to be the leader of the team. You have to remember, this is just his third year that he's starting uh, in the big leagues. But I think he wants to try and be more of a leader by example, be it work ethic, be it a media approach, be it just how he carries himself on and off the field. 
Um, and you don't need to raise your hand for that. I think those things become contagious with regard to people and them respecting you. And Brendan is one of those guys I think, as you touched on, can he can work all corners of the clubhouse. And I think that's important. Whether you're an infielder or a relief pitcher or whomever, you have to be able to have a relationship. And you don't have to have 26 guys all on the same page as far as personality is concerned. I mean, you're going to probably have – maybe 25 different personalities. But the bottom line is you're there for a reason, and that's to compete as a team, and that's to compete as a winner. So, you know, it's going to take some time. But I think when you start <clears throat> putting letters on a guy's sweater and jersey and you know, anointing him in that situation, it doesn't always necessarily work out. And I think in Brendan Donovan's case, he'll lead by example, and that'll be a good start. At the same time, you want to have somebody that can initiate those text messages, initiate those Zoom calls during the offseason. Yeah. And somebody's got to do it, and it seems like he's been the guy. I think he's been the guy. I think Paul Goldschmidt's been the guy in a quiet manner. Um, it's not a fact that they don't have enough guys who want to be engaged. I think, as you mentioned, starting things is where it starts at. And, you know, when you have guys who are willing to do it because they've seen how it works elsewhere or they know people who do it or in other organizations that are successful, you know, they say, well, why don't we roll the dice and see how it impacts us? And that's where I think they're at right now. But again, Matt, you know, it's all about productivity. Yep. You know, you have to produce in order to have anybody think that you can be a leader or be a, a major contributor to any team. So if we can get that going, uh, you know, it, it's going to be a good start. And it's something that starts, you know, before spring training and just how you approach spring training. You know, what's it going to look like? What are the drills going to look like? You know, how much are you going to come early and stay late? All those things could take place because I have news for you. They're doing it elsewhere mm -hmm. within baseball. Yeah, they absolutely are. Oliver Marmel said that he likes to have people on his staff who would challenge him, and he likes to have people on his staff who could do his job. And that was directly connected to uh, conversations about Yadier Molina rejoining the organization and also uh, Daniel Descalso. He's more friends with Descalso. Molina's a guy that obviously played for him. They have a good relationship. I, I don't know if you would refer to those two guys as friends. <coughs> I I appreciate the leader out there that isn't afraid to be challenged, and that's something that Marmel is clearly saying, that he wants to have those type of people in the office with him. Well, I agree with you. Uh, and, you know, as kind of a reflection of John Mozeliak, uh, you know, he's the same kind of guy. He doesn't want a bunch of yes men. Uh, you want some people that will ask why or why not or have we thought about this, you know, and you do it in a professional manner. You're not overriding anyone. You're just having a different idea in the room. And Ali is that guy. I think he was that guy as a first base coach. He was that guy as a bench coach. He was that guy as a manager. And, you know, he wants to have other people in the organization that that have that can have a voice because someday they're going to have their own team and someday they're going to make those same decisions. And, you know, even if it may not be the right decision, it gives you a way to think about it and explain to you why it may not work. Or maybe that's not a bad idea. Let's try it. When you think about Yadier Molina, Daniel Descalso, and Hyam Bloom all being involved in the organization, those are three guys who are never going to take it at bat, three guys that are never going to take a ground ball, but three guys who are going to make this team better. I would think so. Um, you know, Yadier and Descalzo played together. Ali and Descalzo played together. Uh, High and Bloom, I, I don't know a great deal about other than he started and on the low end and worked himself up to become a general manager of a team. And, you know, I don't have a problem with a set of fresh eyes 
on the ball club, you know, just seeing things that maybe we sometimes overlook or take for granted or maybe not utilizing enough of because it's something we're not exposed to. So to have a set of fresh eyes coming from a very solid organization doesn't hurt. And I, I don't think people understand it's not like he's going to be here, you know, every day on the field and taking in this and tell, obviously he'll be in spring training. But I think as the season rolls along, I'm not sure if they've cut out an office space for him to be the half the size as Moe's. Hmm. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. But, you know, it's something that you, you might want to consider as far as just some of the things he's observed from what he's done in the past. Claves, the bulk of this show this week is going to be a, a long-form extended conversation with John Mosellock. And I, I really hope people listen because we don't really talk so much about this year's team and the roster moves that might still be happening and things like that. Uh, we get into some baseball philosophy. We get into him growing up and, and how he got into the game and some of the, his beliefs and even what he's going to do uh, beyond baseball. And I just, you know, so many people have such strong opinions about Mo. I'm really hopeful that people uh, take a listen to what he's going to say today. Well, you know, I've known John from day one when he came into the organization, and he's done everything within the organization from a front office standpoint. And, uh, you know, he started off as a batting practice pitcher with the uh, Colorado Rockies. And I used to give him grief, man. I wish I could get in the box just once <laughs> against you, being a lefty. Uh, but he 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 grew up in, a, in an organization in Colorado that was growing. Bob Gebhardt was running the show. They had people like Don Zimmer around who'd seen it all and done it all as a manager and as a coach and as even as a player who really befriended uh, John early in his stages, uh, you know, took him from everywhere to dinner to the racetrack. And, you know, sometimes the racetrack was better off for, for, for it should have been better off for John than it was. But in any event, he learned a lot and he's continued to learn a lot under Walt Jockety and some of the other people who've been in the organization. He even brought Bob Gebhardt back for a while to also give counsel so it's not like he hasn't been prepared. It's not like he hasn't done this job. It's not like he's not he's not been successful. Uh, he's done all the right things. He's pushed a lot of buttons. And I know while people are maybe not as happy with the outcome of the last season, and I don't know why anybody would be, uh, you know, those things happen along the way. And it, and it can be a culmination of a lot of things that include, you know, maybe missing on a player that you thought was ready to turn things around to – maybe a draft choice, you know, that didn't turn out to be as good as you would hope for or picking late in the draft. You know, the Cardinals, you know, normally pick on the back end of the draft. And, and unfortunately, this year they're going to be on the front end. And I'm anxious to see how that works out. And the fact that John manages people well, I think, is a, is a real attribute to him over the years and in, in dealing with everything from free agents to people internally to pandemics and you name it, he's seen it all. And I think 99% of the time he's done a really good job in, in maintaining a sense of order within the organization. And, and again, he's going to have a flat tire also like we all do. And, and it comes with the territory, but you know, the one thing about him is he's going to pick himself up, fix the flat and here we go again. And I think that's the process that he's undertaking now. And, and again, as I told you earlier, Matt, we're not going to lose 91 games mm -mm. this year. And, and we'll be on the plus side for sure. And it's just a matter of us just getting out on the field and executing and, and making some good decisions. I, I know that some felt like, well, you should spend more money in the offseason. And, yeah, you, you probably could. But what happens if you spend all your money and then all of a sudden the season rolls around and you may need something else and you don't have it? Yep. And, and we, we see that. We, we saw it with, with, Blue, with the St. Louis Blues. They pushed their chips all in, and it wasn't a bad idea. 
Uh, it didn't work and those things happen. And now you're capped out where you can't have the movement that you would like to do in order to move some players and bring in some other players. But, you know, it's it's a chance you take. And granted, the, the pay structure is different. The Blues are in a salary cap era. The Cardinals just stick to a budget and it might as well be a cap. Now you can have a little bit more wiggle room, but when it's all said and done, a lot of things change in the offseason. I mean, uh, here's something else that we haven't talked a great deal about. Although Bally's has acknowledged that they intend on paying the Cardinals a full freight, you didn't know what your money was going to look like uh, last year because the the TV deal had kind of gone under. So you, when you don't have those extra dollars to play with, it's kind of hard to be the Los Angeles Dodgers and some other organizations who threw a lot of money into their seasons but didn't get the results they hoped for. That's Mike Claiborne. I'm Matt Pauley. Up next, we start our conversation with Cardinals President of Baseball Operations, John Mosellock. It's the Countdown to Opening Day show on the Cardinals Radio Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We do welcome you back into the Countdown Opening Day show across the Cardinals Radio Network. I'll tell you what, this is a treat today. We are going to be uh, spending a fair amount of time with Cardinals President of Baseball Operations, John Mosellock. John, thanks so much for uh, taking some time. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Glad to be here and uh, looking forward to the countdown to opening day. So exciting times right now. We're sitting right now at um, at One Cardinal Way, which is part of Ballpark Village. Do you ever, because you've been, Ballpark Village doesn't exist without 3 million fans showing up and Cardinal fan support, and that doesn't happen if the Cardinals aren't a good team playing good baseball. Do you ever look at all this and kind of just step back and think about all these things that have happened even from a non-baseball standpoint during your tenure? Uh, you know, it's funny you say that because, you know, you think back, I joined the Cardinals on November 1 of 1995. And at the time, uh, Bush 2 was just getting some renovations. You know, that's when they put in the scoreboard. That's when they put in the uh, um, grass field. Mm -hmm. And so there were, there were a lot of things going on back then. But then you look at where we are today and how much has transpired over that time. And, you know, I have a pretty good view of Ballpark Village from my office and just watching it over the years continue to grow and, and the impact it really has on the downtown, I think, is enormously important to our city. You know, obviously the Cardinals are, are an anchor for, for the city of St. Louis, but, you know, you need more than just baseball to get people downtown. And so having a, a hotel, having a restaurants and, and reasons for people to come down here, even when there's not baseball, I think is a really good thing for downtown. Right now, we're about a month out from pitchers and catchers reporting from a baseball standpoint, not just Cardinals. There's a ton of free agents that, that are still out there. Are you at all surprised where we're at right now? What is What does it look like for you as you're having these conversations? You know, I, I suspect, or I suppose I am a little surprised that there's still so many players available. Um, you know, a lot of people ask me, like, why is that? Yeah. And it's, you know, you know, I can say this. It's like a lot of these guys I'm not necessarily chasing, so I don't really know, you know, what's holding it up. But, you know, there are some still things that we're thinking about doing, so we are paying attention uh, to some degree to the, to the free agent market. But 
I think where, where headspace is for a lot of players and agents right now is they're willing to be patient. Do you ever kind of know what direction the, the market's going to go? Because some years a lot of stuff happens early. Some years it, it goes a little bit slow, and it's, it's hard from at least my perspective. You, you know more than I do, but it's hard to predict what the offseason's going to look like. Well, like this year, for example, like we obviously knew we had to go out and get starting pitching. And what I was a little bit nervous about was, A, I didn't know the pace of what it would be, and B, I didn't want to to be too patient in the sense of if I kept waiting, kept waiting, kept waiting, and then all of a sudden the music stops and I don't have a place to sit. And so one of the things that we were really thinking about is, you know, jump ahead of the market. And, you know, obviously we signed three pitchers right around Thanksgiving just to make sure we got that. And, you know, obviously given the pace of this offseason, we probably could have waited, but um, we might not have gotten the people that we wanted if we did. I'm going to go back with you a little bit. You grew up in Colorado. I know you played high school baseball and everything. Did did you always have a love for baseball? Did you always have an idea that this was the direction you were going to go in? Yeah. So, well, no. <laughs> no. Let me let me answer this two ways. One is my grand. I, I I was born in New Jersey. My grandfather started taking me to like New York Mets games when I was you know three, four, five years old, and. So he definitely imparted the love of baseball to me at a very early age. Then my father worked for IBM. We get we move as a family out to uh, Boulder, Colorado, where the next closest baseball team is really the Kansas City Royals. And from the National League standpoint, which I was a fan of, was the St. Louis Cardinals. So even as a little guy, like my, um, my trash can in my bedroom was the St. Louis Cardinals uh, trash can. Now... I would watch the World Series when it was on TV in October, and you know they would always flash up to the general manager yeah. at some point, and I always wondered like what the guy in the tie is doing. Like mm. that was always something like I I didn't really know, you know, because and I, I you know I didn't grow up in the game in the sense of like you know my father was involved or anything like that. And so, you know, I graduate college, and then upon graduation, the Colorado Rockies were coming into existence. And so I had a friend who was doing some stuff for them, and they needed some help. And I went down and, and started working for the Rockies, and then here I am. But, you know, a lot kind of fit in that space between. But, no, I never grew up thinking I'd work professionally in, in baseball or do what I do now. Who was the Cardinal growing up that you most admired? If there well, wasn't? yeah, so I was part of the – I had a fantasy team, and so I was part of the 80s. So I had Pendleton, McGee, Ozzy on my club, and uh, Vince Coleman. And we weren't really using stolen bases yet in that model, so I wasn't really benefiting. But, you know, the guys did put the ball in play, did hit for average, so I was usually pretty competitive. If you look at the Internet, and the Internet's not always right, uh, the story is you got into pro baseball because you know somebody with the Rockies or the fly. Somebody wanted to go fly fishing. You you showed them where to go, and then that connected you to Walt Jockety and Bob Gebhardt. You were throwing some BP for the Rockies. Do I am I on the right track there? I mean, there there are there are pieces of that that are very true. <laughs> okay. Um, I did. Uh, I was a big fly fisherman growing up, and so um, there was a, a pitcher by the name of Brent Smith who wanted to go fishing, and so uh, my friend asked me if I would take him, and I did. And that um, that also sort of helped open the door. But, yeah, I did work with uh, both uh, Walt and, and Gab out in Colorado. And, you know, fortunately for me, um, they, they showed a likeness to me. And uh, when Walt got the GM job here, that's when he offered me a job to come with him. It's interesting how things can work out. You, you make that, that connection, and then all of a sudden you, you create relationships. And, 
and, and here you are, this long tenure. I guess that's the way the world works for a lot of people, but it's fun sometimes to reflect on those sort of things. Yeah, when I think back um, uh, at that time, I, I remember when Walt offered me the job to come to St. Louis, I was actually kind of like not sure. Like I didn't know really enough about the industry yet to be like, do, do I really want to jump into it? And then I was a little nervous that if I came here, like how, like, what would a career path look like? And so those were the questions I was asking him. He um, obviously assured me it was worth the risk and worth trying, and uh, I think he was absolutely right. I would certainly agree with that. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show, and you are listening to my conversation with Cardinals President of Baseball Operations, John Mozeliak. We've got a lot more coming up as we really go throughout his career and get his thoughts on the way the game of baseball is being played today. So hopefully you're able to uh, stay locked in over the course of the entire uh, two-hour program uh, coming up. Uh, we'll hear more from him just after this upcoming break. Do want to remind you, though, that if you need a glossy, slump-proof gift that will not break the bank for the Cardinals fans on your shopping list, well, year in and year out, the Cardinals' official wall calendar delivers the goods. Order it at 314-345-9000, or you can visit select area retailers uh you can also win one right now we'll go ahead and give one to uh caller number five caller number five on our countdown to opening day contest line that's 314-955-1120 314-955-1120 if you are caller number five you're winning yourself a cardinal calendar up next much more from cardinals president of baseball operations john Mosalock. it's the countdown to opening day show on the cardinals radio network It's the Countdown to Opening Day show on the Cardinals Radio Network alongside of Mike Claiborne. My name is Matt Pauley. We are replaying a conversation that I had earlier today with Cardinals President of Baseball Operations, John Mosalock. More of that in just a moment. Do you want to tell you that the Top 10 2024 theme tickets are on sale now and feature returning favorites like Star Wars Night, Pride Night, Margaritaville Night, Grateful Dead Night, Blues Night, and many more. For details and a full list of dates, visit cardinals.com slash theme. So we will continue on with our conversation with Cardinals President of Baseball Operations, John Mozeliak. We were talking through his time really coming up and into the business. He had been with the Rockies, then came to the Cardinals, and then came the point where he became the Cardinals General Manager. And that's where we really pick it up, uh, just talking through what it was like for him leading into the point where he got that job. Eventually, Walt moves on, and you're one of many people that they that they talk to. What was that process like for you? Because I'm sure you were aware that other people are coming in. You want the job. We all deal with that at some point in our lives. We want jobs, and we're just sitting at the you know edge of our chair hoping the phone rings. Can you take me through the emotions for you leading up to you becoming the GM? Yeah, I mean, obviously it was a, a very unique time because I was very close with Walt. Um, so when um, his time ended here, you know, I, I was sad for him because I know he loved what he was doing here. But I also knew there was a lot of tension in the office at that time, and and I wasn't surprised that change was going to happen. Um, I was surprised that they ended up picking me, given how close I was with Walt. I just thought that was uh, probably a path to nowhere. So you know, but over those thirty days, roughly, I think it was, um, I remember you know meeting with Bill numerous times, and I guess you could call it almost like a perpetual interview at that time. And so he called me up on October 30th and said, uh, congratulations, you're going to be the, uh, 
Is it 11th or 12th general manager? 12th, I believe. 12th. Yeah. yeah, I think that's right. Um, and uh, we talked, and I accepted, and then the next day we did the press conference. So it was uh, a lot going on at that time. It was really uh, exciting, and, you know, the, the team also was in a transition period. Um, 2007 was not a good year for us from a baseball standpoint. As you guys remember, we, we lost uh, Chris Carpenter on opening night when we were playing the Mets on a Sunday night game to uh, Tommy John, and the season just never really got going to where we were having the, the success we were hopeful of after coming off a world championship. How do you, when you're early on in the position, you're connected to Walt, you're your own guy, they just moved on from Walt, there's got to be this feeling to show that I'm not just another version of him. Does that... Were you able to just be true to yourself no matter what the influences were, or did you feel some pressure to really show that you were your own person? No, I definitely knew there was pressure to create my own identity. But in fairness, like, you know, working with Walt, he gave me a a long leash. So I had a lot of autonomy and and got a lot of exposure to do a lot of different things at at a very early age. And so I was, you know, always grateful for that. So, you know, really when the time came for me to, to take over and step into to the number one seat, it, I felt like I was prepared. Probably the one thing I was a, a little bit, uh, I found overwhelming was maybe just dealing with the media on a regular basis because I just never had to do that in my career. But that was like the biggest change. But as far as like leadership, management, that came pretty naturally to me. And so, you know, I, I understood where some of the, the pitfalls were. I knew where we needed to, um, you know, sort of reset the table, if you will. And we aggressively did that, and I think uh, you know we ended up having a pretty good run. Some of your greatest roster-building successes have come during the trade market. David Freeze, Matt Holiday, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado. I, I could go on. A lot of people out there think pulling off trades is easy. You just get on a phone call. It's done in 10, 15 minutes. I know that's not true. Can you, can you kind of give an idea for people listening how complicated, how challenging it is, especially to pull off some of these more high-profile trades. Yeah, a couple of thoughts real quick on, on trades. Like like a lot of people, as you guys know, because they, you do call-in shows and stuff, and people just tell you exactly like what we should do, mm-hmm. right? Trading is probably my least favorite part of this game because you know there, there is a human element to this, right? I do get to know these people. Like, you know, like Tyler O'Neill... I would consider a friend and then having to move him this off season to try to better our club in a way it's not normal, right? Like, like that's not how businesses really run. And so in sport, the fact that you're always looking for that arbitrage on, on how to improve your club. And as you guys know, there's really a few avenues we can do that. We can go down the trade Avenue. We can go down free agency or we can draft and develop. And that's how you really get better. And, the trade side of things is, is is something that you have to use because it's a tool, but it's, it's, it's one that does have a personal effect on it where you do feel bad when you're actually moving somebody that you like or care about, and, and that's the tough part about this business. And a lot of people don't realize, like, when, when you talk about the complication of this is usually when you're trading for, like, that type of star power, you're giving a lot uh, – you're typically giving up a lot of future value in a, a young prospect, and – you know, I do get around to the minor leagues every year. I do get around to getting to know our younger players. And so that's even difficult, right? Because it's like these kids, you know, typically when they sign with the St. Louis Cardinals, they go out and they buy a, you know, hat and hoodie or something where, you know, their parents are proud of them. And then 
unfortunately, then you move somebody. And that that's the part that's, uh, that's really hard about doing a trade. And then the complication of it is is, is the complexity of, of how individual organizations value talent and then trying to line it up to where you have an agreement. And, you know, that's tough. And, you know, I, I'll share this with you guys. I remember in the, the Nolan Arenado deal, there was, a, there was a pitcher that was supposed to be a part of that deal. And at the at like the eleventh hour, he didn't he didn't pass their physical in terms of uh, reviewing the medical, and you know then we couldn't come up with a name of someone that they thought was of equal value, and it was like really stressful because it had broke that this deal was going down, and yet we were having a hard time figuring out how to actually square the circle. How often does stuff like this never gets out? But how often does stuff like that happen that nobody ever knows about? A lot. Um, I mean, obviously, you don't want to trade for someone that might be broken or injured or unable to perform. And so, you know, there's a lot of detail and a lot of energy that goes into understanding where someone's, you know, where they're physically at. That's John Mosellock, the Cardinals president of baseball operations. Much, much, much more with him coming up next hour as we'll uh, continue on uh, what was an extended and very fun conversation that we did with him earlier today. Tomorrow, Friday, big day, big day for the Cardinals, uh, big day for you. If you want to be at opening day this year, we'll explain all of that coming up in just a moment. It's the Countdown to Opening Day show on the Cardinals Radio Network. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's the Countdown to Opening Day show here across the Cardinals Radio Network. Very happy to welcome on to the program. He is the uh, Vice President of uh, Ticket Sales for the Cardinals. He is Joe Strom. Joe, appreciate you taking some time. How are you? I'm doing great. Glad to be on. Let's uh, let's not mince words. We've got you on here for a pretty big announcement uh, regarding people who want to be at Opening Day next season. Yes, uh, tomorrow at 10 o'clock, you can purchase your opening day tickets. Uh, This year, we're doing something a little different. It's a standalone day. The only tickets that will go on sale from a single-game basis tomorrow will be opening day, which is by far the highest demand game of the year. Here's what I would tell people about opening day. If you've been here before, you know how much fun it is, and you're going to get your tickets, you're going to be here. If you've never, ever attended an opening day game, I ask why you haven't. But the other thing I would say is make it this year. Take a vacation day on April 4th and make sure you're here in St. Louis and here for the whole day of activities and come to that 315 game. But you're going to want to be in the ballpark early because of all the activities that take place pregame. When I was little, me and my mom would go to opening day together every year. My dad would go to other games, but it was always a me and my mom thing. She would get a day room at a hotel, and she would just kind of pamper herself, and I'd be running around downtown St. Louis, going to Keener Plaza, going to wherever all those you know, pep rallies, and then we'd always make sure to be in the ballpark before anything happened. It's just such a special day. It is a special day, and it's always interesting when I ask people is, what do you enjoy the most? And it usually comes down to really two factors. It's either the Clydesdales is mm-hmm. one I hear, and the other one, of course, seeing the Hall of Famers in the red jacket. That's, that's something that's unique to St. Louis. Uh, other teams just don't do opening day the same way the Cardinals do it. It's an event, and uh, I know myself personally – I just enjoy seeing the Hall of Famers here. I enjoy seeing them greeting the new team. 
And I always wonder, a lot of the current players, if they sit there and say, that's what I want to be one of the days, I want one of those red jackets. They do. Players talk about opening day all the time. And, you know, guys who make their debut in season, so they miss opening day, and then they've already got big league time, but they get their first opening day, it still just really opens up their eyes. Yeah, I'm always wondering about someone like Jordan Walker that was here last year and got to experience what he's telling his buddies like Mason Wynn and others that, hey, Opening day is going to be special. It's going to be fun, and I'm glad you'll be a part of it. Uh, this is probably the number one question I got when I was out on a Cardinals caravan this past weekend. Oh, uh, ticket sales overall, single-game tickets. So tomorrow, Friday, is when opening day tickets go on sale. But what are the plans for people who want to make the rest of their plans for the summer? Yeah, and that will be coming up soon. A week from tomorrow, the remaining 79 games will go on sale. So uh, you can get your single-game tickets here soon. I can tell people that we have sold nearly 2 million tickets for the upcoming season, um, which never surprised me. Our fans go over the top, and that's why we're able to compete because of our great fans over-delivering on ticket sales. And things like group tickets and all-inclusive areas and uh, I think some theme nights, things like There's some specialty tickets that have already been on sale. That's exactly right. All-inclusive tickets are on sale. You can purchase those. Group tickets are on sale. And all theme tickets are out there as well. So a lot of options to look at, and uh, it's going to be a fun, fun 2024 season. If people want to uh, get those tickets, what's the best way to do it? Easiest way is just go cardinals.com. That's the easiest way to find out all information on the Cardinals, and it's also the easiest way to purchase tickets. Again, tomorrow, opening day, tickets go on sale to 10 o'clock. Joe, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. That is Joe Strom. We'll take a break and have more in just a moment. It's the Countdown to Opening Day show across the Cardinals radio network. Back at it on the Cardinals Radio Network. It is the Countdown to Opening Day show alongside of Mike Claiborne. My name is Matt Pauley. We are right around the corner, right around the corner from Cardinals Spring Training. You could be one of the first fans to catch the Cardinals at Spring Training 2024 in Jupiter, Florida. Cardinals Vacations makes it easy by being your one-stop shop for spring training travel. Make your plans today. Call Cardinals Vacations at 800-892-7687, or you can head online cardinals.com slash vacations just to tell you how close it is pitchers and catchers first workout is going to be on the 14th after they report on the 13th first full squad workout on february 19th after they report on the 18th and the first spring training game is scheduled for february 24th so we are just over a month away from the first spring training game it is going to be here absolutely before we know it Uh, this past weekend it kind of feels like This is the weekend where things really shift over from last season to this upcoming season when the winter warm-up takes place and also uh, Cardinals caravans go out. I got to tell you, just sidebar on that, I I don't know if I do anything that's more fun than going out on the Cardinals caravan. I love the experience. I love going to the different cities and seeing all the fans. Uh, I love watching the players interact with uh, with kids who come through for autographs. The uh, question and answer sessions and the programs that we do are always uh, are always a lot of fun. It's just it's something that I really really enjoy being able to do. And yeah, it was fun. So thanks to everybody in the uh, various places. I went to uh, four cities in Illinois. I was in uh, Mattoon. Springfield, 
Decatur and Centralia between uh, Sunday and Monday of this past week. And it was just fantastic being able to be out on the uh, Cardinals caravan once again, uh, meeting a lot of folks. There's always a lot of press conferences and things like that when um, when when winter warm-up is going on three days and everybody kind of goes and, and speaks with the media. I thought there were a few notable things uh, that came out of the media sessions. Uh, first off, I loved what Oliver Marmel had to say about having people on the coaching staff and having people in the organization that can A, do his job, and B, challenge him. We all get better when we get challenged, and you've got to be pretty comfortable in your skin when you want people around you that are challenging you, and that's what he was doing. There were some people kind of tried to take issue with it, and I didn't know what the issue was to take with it. I think it's always a positive when, you are, uh, when you've got people around you uh, that can challenge you in what you're doing. So uh, I appreciated what uh, certainly what he had to say. I uh, appreciate it. I know we're running um, a John Mosellock extended conversation as part of this countdown to opening day show, uh, but did appreciate that uh, when when Mo was talking to the assembled media, he did discuss uh, the idea that maybe they went into last season with a little bit of arrogance and they'd always done things one way and it worked, and now it's an opportunity to look at other ways uh, that things can potentially work. So I, I liked what uh, what he had to say as well. I did say, I joke about it, the number one question I get from Cardinals fans overall is, are they done? Are they done? That's the number one thing I hear all the time. Are they done? Meaning, are they going to go sign more players or acquire more players? So I essentially asked that question to Mo when I was talking to him on uh, Saturday at winter warm-up, and he said, basically, well, you never say that you're done, and there's still more out there, but definitely uh, alluded to the fact that uh, the conversations that are taking place right now are more on the free agent side of things as opposed to uh, the trading side of things, and we'll just have to wait and see uh, what's going to uh, what's going to happen there. But I, I do think that this roster is going to look different over the next month. I don't know how different. But there's a lot of players. There's a lot of players who are out there available via free agency here uh, at the moment. And uh, we are just waiting to see uh, who they are going to sign with. And many of these players that are still out there absolutely would make the Cardinals a better team. So you would think that uh, at some point it's probably uh, it's quite possible that the Cardinals are going to uh, still make a, a move or two before they arrive in uh, Jupiter now in less than a month, less than a month. That's going to be uh, that's going to be taking place. All right. So what we're going to do right now is uh, we're going to take a break, and when we return, we're going to pick up our conversation that we had with John Mosellock earlier today. We recorded it over at uh, One Cardinal Way at Ballpark Village, and um, yeah, just I, I really enjoyed it. I hope you've enjoyed what you've heard so far. We're not even halfway through it, so uh, we will continue on with uh, that conversation in uh, in just a moment, getting a little bit more into baseball philosophy and some other things like that. So that's all going to be coming your way in just a moment or so. We'll take a break now, though, and uh, when we return, more John Mosellock. It's the Countdown to Opening Day show alongside of Mike Claiborne. My name's Matt Bolly, and we're back in just a few minutes right here across the Cardinals Radio Network. Back at it on the Cardinals Radio Network as we roll on with another edition of the Countdown to Opening Day show alongside of Mike Claiborne. My name's Matt Pauley. Cardinals Nation Restaurant hosts the only official St. Louis Cardinals pregame party with a two-and-a-half-hour DJ-hosted, all-you-can-eat, all-you-can-drink event before every home game. 
Tickets go on sale Friday, January 26th at cardinals.com slash pregame. We're going to jump right back into uh, the conversation that I had earlier today with Cardinals President of Baseball Operations, John Moselock. As we uh, continued on with the conversation, we were talking about trades, the art of making trades, and uh, we talked specifically about a trade that was made in 2011 that really helped the team go on to win the World Series. I mentioned those big names that you acquire. Mike Claiborne always says uh, that when you go back to 2011, a big part of that team uh, is Octavio Dutel, and maybe they don't win the World Series that year without him. That's that's a smaller move. Is it fun for you when you're able to find the the smaller pieces but the oh-so-important pieces that add to a team? So when you think back to that deal, I would argue that was a really big deal in the sense of we were trading Colby Rasmus, yeah. right? And so the the reason like those types of deals happen though is because we just didn't know if he was going to fit into our long-term plans and there was a lot of people that were valuing him quite highly and so we were just trying to arbitrage that moment in time but you know we weren't we weren't able to come up with like the 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 prospect that we truly valued in a deal like that and so then we decided to take more of this like you know four or five player type of deal where we could add to our team that hopefully got us back on track. And of course, um, yeah, it became kind of magical. Yeah, it came, became very magical. We all remember where we were at, what we were doing for game six. Can, can, you, can you take me through your emotions that night as all that is happening? Yeah, it was a crazy night. And I'm sure you guys have heard this story before, but um, I knew Tony was going to step down after the World Series. And so as we were, um, you know, when we were behind in that game, I started writing a speech that I was going to say to the team right after the game and uh, a little prelude to, you know, Tony moving on. And then, of course, you know, we come back, we take the lead, and I rolled it up and I threw it out. And, I, you know, and then they take the lead and I pull it out of the trash can and I'm trying to flatten out the piece of paper. And uh, uh, in the meantime, I remember running to the restroom at one point and um, we, had, we had won. So I, I, ran, I ran to the restroom and, and Commissioner Seelig was in the bathroom and he like, gave me this huge hug because we were going to game seven. And, you know, anybody knows anything about sort of baseball economics, having a game seven in the World Series is pretty impactful um, to the league as a whole. And so... Yeah, it was just up and down. I mean, it was crazy. Um, but I remember going to bed that night, like, thinking, like, okay, we're going to win this. And fortunately, we did. And, um, you know, being a part of a, a world championship club is, is something that's special. You know, I've been a part of a lot of good teams. But, you know, winning it is, uh, is something that you'll, you'll just never forget. I was on a Cardinal Caravan this past week, and Jason Mott was on it. And he said none of the players even knew that that Larusa was going to or to how 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 close was that circle of people that knew that that was going to be it for him? Um, like in my group, I would say it was like Bill and I. Initially, he had he had told me in like middle of August that he knew it was time. And so, basically, what I tried to do is just from an internal standpoint, I tried to make a list of possible replacements, that type of thing. And you know, I think the I still have that list, but I think it's probably like 30-plus people that were on that list. And, and uh, But I was being respectful, and, and I think Tony would share this too. Like, he and I, like, 
kind of treated that postseason like every day was our last because we just never knew. And, um, you know, I would go in before a game and say, okay, if we don't win tonight, when are we going to address it? And it was that way for the whole month. And then, you know, obviously uh, we won, and, uh, and then we did it the following day. We told the team. That year's postseason, obviously with the way the Cardinals were on the run, it, it showed how fluky things can be. Hot team can go into the playoffs and, and go on a great run. We see it all the time where great baseball teams, great regular season teams uh, get, get knocked out early. When you're putting together a team and you're thinking about postseason success, is it more important to build a team that you feel like is postseason ready, that can, can win in the postseason, or is it more important to – build a team that's getting to the playoffs every year, bite of the apple year after year after year. I know it's a little bit of both, but is there one thing that's more important than the other? You know, we've had this internal debate for years, but I I think I'll just boil it down very simply. If you don't get to October, who cares how you built it for October, Mm -hmm. right? So in other words, if if you're not in in the dance, it doesn't matter. So you got to get there first. So winning your division is important. Getting in as a wild card is important. I mean, we saw it this year, even with Texas. I mean, you know, Texas almost limped in to the postseason, and then they got hot, and then they are now world champs. So it's – you definitely want to know that you have enough talent to get you – like like to compete in October, meaning to give you a chance. Um, you know, have someone like when you think about like, okay, who could be your game one starter? You know, do you have a closer that doesn't fear that type of environment? But – most importantly, you got to get through the season. And 162 over 187 is no joke. Is there anything more frustrating when you have a team that you feel like can go on a deep playoff run? I think a couple of years ago, the the team that ends up losing to to the Phillies in the wild card round, you're sitting there going into that series thinking this team can win the World Series, and then you're done in in just a, a couple of things. Is that as frustrating as it gets in this game? It's tough, but you know. We've been an organization that's been to the postseason a lot, and and we've seen a lot, and and so we know that there's there's a lot of volatility in in what happens. So, I mean, anytime your season ends, and you're not the one last standing, you're always a little depressed, a little down, because you go into it with a lot of energy and effort to get there, and and it's it's hard. I mean, that's that's the tough part about sports, right? Because even when you look at, at sort of the last 30 years, you know, with the exception of maybe the Patriots, you know, it's not many teams are able to repeat. Not many teams are in that final game every season. And it's, it's, it's a really hard business. And it's, you know, you, you, you have to, like, find balance or else you'll go crazy. This, um, this or you talked a little bit about the winter meetings, about some inward looking in terms of maybe pitching development and things like that. Baseball has changed a lot recently. It's continuing to change. The game looks a lot different than it did even 10, 15, especially 20 years ago. Is the organization, and maybe a lot of baseball teams are, is the organization at kind of a crossroads right now in terms of the direction to go? Is it just about evaluating what you do? How would you go with that? Yeah, I would say that that I think where the, where the St. Louis Cardinals are right now is is that we have to remain open-minded. Um, I think, you know, 15, 20 years ago, we were definitely more on the cutting edge of things in terms of, of what we were pushing. I do think maybe over the last uh, five or 10 years, we may have gotten a little comfortable. And so, you know, 
that is really why I had a lot of interest in, in bringing in Heim Bloom, just to have some voice from the outside that's just not been a part of my group for the last five or ten years and just have someone like kind of assess where we are. Um, it's hard to do. Like, and, and so with him being out there, it was, uh, it was a unique opportunity for us to try. And so I'm certainly looking forward to seeing like what we can learn, what we can do differently, and, and where we can improve. I mean, in the end, you know, my responsibility – is to oversee baseball operations for the St. Louis Cardinals. And that really is defined by what you do on the field, wins, losses, but how are you developing? How are you drafting? And how are you doing in the international market? And, and all of these things have new tools that can be used to help you be better at it. And I just want to make sure we're leveraging those. You mentioned Heim Bloom. Lots been made of players have already been brought into the organization from, from Tampa and Boston, places where he's at. Is it a safe uh, conclusion that – he already has had a voice in this organization? I think that's being a little overstated, actually. But, um, you know, we were sort of joking as we were acquiring these types of players, and we started thinking, like, okay, now everybody's going to think if we announce Heim Bloom, this is, like, like our pipeline to doing it. But, look, I'm not dumb. I I certainly want to make sure that I take advantage of my resources, right? And so when we were looking at, at some of these acquisitions, we definitely made sure that we connected with him just to make sure we had a character back up and you know, understood would that type of player fit in well with our organization. John Mosellock, the president of baseball operations for the St. Louis Cardinals. Much more with him coming up in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. It's the Countdown to Opening Day show on the Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show on the Cardinals Radio Network. Alongside of Mike Claiborne, I'm Matt Pauley. Single-game, all-inclusive tickets for 2024 are on sale now and start at just $55. All-inclusive tickets feature complimentary food and drinks, plus a great view of the game. For more details, visit cardinals.com slash all-inclusive. We are uh, replaying the conversation that I had earlier today with Cardinals President of Baseball Operations, John Mosellock. Something I, uh, I, I, you'll hear it in a second, I, I tell him, I, I appreciate Mo for his candor and how honest he tends to be about things. Not a lot of sports executives do that. I think Mo does. I, uh, bluntly, I think sometimes Mo gets himself into a little bit of trouble when, when he is as open as he is. So as we uh, continue the conversation, I essentially asked him why he does that. Something I really appreciate about you is you answer questions. And... That's not normal in sports. Most sports executives are very good at cliches, not answering questions, answering questions that they're not. I was in Milwaukee for year, for six years. I think the world of David Stearns as a baseball executive, but he doesn't answer questions. Um, is that just your personality? Is it is it a concerted effort that you feel like you you should be able to answer questions in as honestly as you do? Well, a couple things. Like w- when you think about like relationships, right? And like you and I have one, right? Because we do interviews together, mm-hmm. right, Matt? Like the one thing I don't want you to do is like distrust me. So I need you to trust me, right? Just as you want me to trust you. And when you think about building on that, that theme of trust, what's the one thing you have to have? That's transparency and honesty. I guess that's two things. I apologize. But so if you have that combination, then you're good. And so like, I'm not trying to hide anything. Obviously, you know, sometimes people ask me questions where I can't answer and it might be for, reasons that I'm either trying to protect someone or we're just not ready to talk about something. But for the most part, 
I think having that relationship with our fans, with people like you, um, goes a long way. Do you like the direction baseball's going? Because, again, going back, game, game has changed. Um, rules changes this past year. It seems like in many ways it's kind of actually pushing it back to the way it used to be played a, a, a little bit. Do, do you like where the game is going in terms of the way the game is being played? Okay, a couple thoughts on that. First off, I love the changes. Um, if you had said to me five, ten years ago, hey, we're going to put a clock in the game, I would have scoffed. I would have said that's the stupidest idea in the world. But, like, all of us that actually watch baseball and go to games, I mean, it's. I think that's great. We're shaving, you know, 25, 30 minutes off a game. I think that's good. I think it's good for our fans, younger fans, are going to appreciate that. Um, would I like a different um, outcome of a game in, in the sense of, like, the high strikeout rate, um, uh, um, and putting more balls in play and more action. Yeah, I'm a big advocate for that. I think that's what fans want to see. Um, as much as I do admire a one nothing game, i.e. Chris Carpenter, um, I do think like you want to see some action. I mean, that was an epic game. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. One of my, I think one of the top games I've ever watched in my life, and I think it was cool. But you know, having balls in play, I think, are relevant. And so stealing more bases, bringing more action to the, to the field, I think is great for the game, and I hope it happens. I'm not trying to speak for all fans here, but I think something fans struggle with is the aesthetics of the game because you go back to Whitey Ball and 80s baseball, and people really enjoyed watching those games. So they thought, well, if you because it's so entertaining, well, that's how you, that's how you play winning baseball. And in many ways, the most aesthetically type of baseball is maybe not the style to win the most games it, to, to your point is that something that baseball's got to try to find a way to kind of come together i think so and, and, and i think like what makes that sort of more interesting is like you'll see more athleticism in the game right so talking about like a young player by the name of victor scott like, watching him play it's it will remind you of something you saw in the 80s now i i think like look Things evolve, things change, and I'm not saying we want to go back just to 80s baseball, but I do think when you have that outcome of just a strikeout every time, it's just not as fun. And, you know, I do think, like, trying to figure out ways to keep pitchers healthier, maybe velocity is getting overplayed a little bit, and I think the key for organizations is to figure out, you know, how do you keep people on the field? And that's, you know, probably one of the bigger challenges we all face in this industry right now. Are you able ever to just sit back and kind of lose yourself in a game? Okay, so if you ever watch a baseball game with me, I think I try to do that almost every time. Now, there are emotions, right? You, I'm not going to lie. But, um, you know, I think, like, the way I watch a game is I think it's a lot like watching or listening to a, the symphony. When it's done right, everything is perfect. And so just imagine balls thrown, balls hit put in play we'll, we'll just go to uh down the right field line everybody should be moving even though the center fielder is not necessarily involved in that play even though the left fielder's not everybody should be doing something right second baseman's going out for the cut first baseman's trailing the runner you know everything happens but like most people all they see is the ball go to right field throw come in base runner standing on second or not right but like I watch the game in that set of lenses. And so when I see, like, the left fielder not move, that's when I get a little frustrated. Mm. But when it's done right, it's seamless. I always tell people who don't know baseball so well, go go watch, like, even before the pitch, move, watch guys moving around. There's People say that baseball is a boring game or a slow game. 
It's not. There's always something happening. There is. And, and I think the, the people that admire the game the most understand that. You talked about relationships when we were talking about trades. Um, again, I was with Jason Mott, and he told me that he felt like even as a player, and certainly now he's always had a good relationship with you. You're the guy who signs, releases, trades, extends. You're the boss. You control so many things about these individuals' lives. How challenging is it to, at the same time, have some type of relationship with players? Well, I, I would like to think I, I have a healthy relationship with players. I mean, like, look, I'm, I'm, a, I'm in my 50s now, so I'm probably not as relatable as I once was with guys that are in their 20s and 30s. But, you know, I, I think there's, a, there's that relationship of, of just understanding. And, and, look, I think the most important thing I can do for a player is give them encouragement, let them know we believe in them, and let them know we trust them to do their job. Um, people that play at this level, I think we all assume they're just great athletes and it's super easy, but it's not. It's, it's a hard game. And, you know, when, when you're not playing well, it's even a harder game. And so I feel like what I try to do with my relationships is, is simply just be encouraging to players and let them know that, that we have their back and we believe in them because it's, it's, it's a grind, man. And it's, it's hard. And so like, you know, even somebody like a Jason Mott who, yeah, we did have a good relationship and he was someone that if you guys remember, he was a position change guy. So, you know, you have your own hurdles when you're being told, you know, you're drafted as a catcher and obviously he was a really good defensive catcher. And as you can imagine, he had a hose behind the plate, but from an offensive standpoint, it wasn't working. So we did try it. Decided, well, hey, we'll give you a shot on the on the mound. He could have easily just said, you know what, I'm good. I'll just go back to college or I'll go get a job. But his desire to want to still get to the big leagues um, shows you the kind of partnership you need to really have success. And and he was someone that took advantage of it and then ended up having a pretty good career closing out games. Just a couple more things for you. You're you're more towards the end of your career than the beginning of your career. I'm not going to ask you about when. You think? When, yeah. <laughs> But a lot has been made recently about uh, when that might come to an end. I, I'm not so worried about when, but the what. Is there is there something in life, are there things in life that you're looking forward to doing once you're not in charge of a Major League Baseball team on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, I think the, the way I'd answer that is my entire adult life has been where I, I have made a lot of sacrifices, and I've been blessed, don't get me wrong, but... I've made a lot of sacrifices to make sure I could do this job right. And I want to get to a point in my life at some point in the near future where I can, I can schedule things around the job instead of the job scheduling things around my life. And so, you know, if I have the ability to do that, I think I'll, I'll be pretty happy. And it, it doesn't mean I won't be involved in baseball to some degree or some level, but just taking the foot off the gas a little bit and, and allowing someone else to do this, I think is important. And, and I feel like, you know, from a standpoint too, like I, you try to invent yourself, you try to keep your voice fresh, you try to make sure you're staying on top current and, and doing things. But, you know, I'm entering my 17th year in this role. That's a long time to be hearing like, you know, one person's voice. And I think just, you know, for the betterment of this organization, it's probably going to be a, a, a good time to start to wind some things down. But, you know, in the meantime, I'm still full of energy. I'm still, you know, ready to get after it. And, uh, you know, I, I really believe 2024 will be a successful year for us. Harold Reynolds came on this show and said, you're a future Hall of Famer. I'm not going to ask you if you agree, but I'm going to ask you, is that something that you, when it comes to your legacy and, and, and everything, do you, does that ever pop into your mind? 
It really doesn't. Um, do you reflect on legacy at the, at this point in my career? I, I think the answer is yes. Um, you know, obviously we were we, we had a tremendous run, and then this year happened. Um, this past year happened, and and you know, that's when you start like reflecting on a few things. But you know, I I did hear about that, and that was uh, you know very kind of him to say that. But you know, I feel like you need a lot more longevity than maybe I'm going to be able to provide to actually get in there. John, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you, Matt. That was my conversation with Cardinals President of Baseball Operations, John Mosalock. Really appreciate it. Uh, I don't know how many President of Baseball Operations slash general managers out there are going to uh, walk across the street from their office and uh, sit down with somebody for 35, 40, 45 minutes and uh, and, and do that. So I am so appreciative. I hope you enjoyed it as well. I hope you were able to listen to it a little bit different. Uh, we didn't talk so much about the team right now and the moves that need to be made and why they did this and why they like, we've done that, right? We've, we've asked those questions. We've, we've heard them talk about Sonny Gray and Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson and, and all those guys. Uh, it was fun to get to know Mo on a little bit different level. And that's what uh, I tried to do for uh, the last while here on the program. Don't go anywhere though. We still have a lot coming up. It's the countdown to opening day show on the Cardinals radio network. It's the Countdown to Opening Day show here across the Cardinals radio network. We are uh, recording the show today at One Cardinals Way, just in the footprint of Bush Stadium, and really happy right now to welcome onto the program Raul Adams, the uh, general manager of One Cardinal Way, and Nicole Sonkerb, the director of residential marketing. Appreciate both of you guys being on today. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks for visiting us today. This is an awesome time for people who are maybe considering a change in their living arrangement. One Cardinal Way is an amazing place to live. Yeah, definitely is a amazing place to live uh, with so many things to be able to provide for all the residents and future residents, especially with an amazing view of Bush Stadium. You can't beat that. Nicole, I know from an amenity standpoint, uh, whether it's the events that are going on, we're, we're in a really cool kind of bar area right now. I mean, there's just the pool that people always see when they're watching uh, games at Bush Stadium. There's so many things you guys offer. We have an incredible lifestyle that we offer here at One Cardinal Way. We have a hospitality team that curates resident events uh, on a monthly basis, ongoing. And then, of course, the proximity to Ballpark Village and um, Bush Stadium uh, and every other event that's going on in downtown St. Louis. Uh, Raul, what's it been like just watching this property grow and just knowing, you know, Ballpark Village is such a huge part of, of St. Louis and downtown and One Cardinal Way is a really big part of that as well. Yeah, just to have the options to go to a concert, be able to go out to eat, be able to see the game from your living room or just go down to that eighth floor amenity space and be able to go swimming and see the game. That's just an amazing experience that you would never encounter any of the other apartments in the area. For Cardinal fans who are, again, thinking about moving, you, you can see the words on the eighth floor space right now. You can see right in the game, obviously. If you're going to the game, it's so easy to get there, and it's so easy to get everywhere else in downtown as well. This is the ultimate home for the ultimate Cardinals fan and also the ultimate home away from home. We know that Cardinals fans are across the nation and we see so many residents who move in with us for the season, for a little longer, for this to be their crash pad, if you will, so they can have easy access to the games. Uh, that, that's got to be a, just kind of a, a fun thing during the baseball season. What, what's it like around here during Cardinal season? I want both of you to answer that. It is extremely exciting. 
um, the energy that you get to feel, just all the baseball um, fans around and the energy from the stadium just vibrating and just feeling that from one car away. It is just something that you had to live here in order to experience that. Raul, you and I are vibing today. I would say the word is electric. And Cardinals fans have such a great personality to them, such a great attitude. So when you're walking down, you know, from a residential perspective, you're walking down just to grab a bite to eat. You're going to see people smiling, waving, high-fiving, wear your red, and you're going to be the most popular person on the block. Units are leasing right now. What's the best way to, uh, to get information? Yeah, so just definitely just give us a call, and uh, we can definitely um, um, show you on take you on a tour and show you what we have available. We have studios, um, we have one bedrooms and two bedrooms, and you can have um, apartments, luxury apartments, basically looking at Bush Stadium, or if you would like to see the nature of and the beauty of St. Louis, you can look at the Mississippi River and the Arch grounds. Raul Nicole, thanks so much for uh, taking some time with us today. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks, Matt. We'll take a break and have more in just a moment. It's the Countdown to Opening Day show on the Cardinals Radio Network. The Countdown to Opening Day show does continue here across the Cardinals Radio Network. Alongside of Mike Claiborne, my name's Matt Pauley. Uh, we'll welcome Claves back onto the program coming up in uh, just a moment or so. Do want to remind you about the official Cardinals wall calendar. It stands above the rest by presenting its usual array of spectacular Cardinals photography and the team's 2024 spring training and regular season schedules. Order it at 314-345-9000. That's 314-345-9000. Or visit select area retailers or... How about you just go ahead and win yourself one right this very moment. We will take caller number five on the Countdown to Opening Day show contest line. That is uh, 314-955-1120. 314-955-1120. Caller number five, you are going to win yourself an official Cardinals wall calendar. Uh, this has been a fun show. I hope you were able to uh, enjoy John Mosellock. If you missed any of it, our flagship station, KMOX, uh, does archive these programs. They're available at uh, KMOX.com. Just go to the uh, podcast feed and uh, head to the Cardinals Conversation podcast feed, and uh, you will find uh, this program archive right there. So uh, we did almost 40 minutes with John Mosellock and split that up across about uh, four segments over the last couple hours. I can't tell – and I'm – I really mean this. I'm being genuine. I don't lie to you. I really enjoyed sitting down and talking to him. There were some things he said today that, quite simply, I did not know. I had no clue that he grew up a Cardinals fan. I had no clue that he had a you know a Cardinals trash can in his bedroom uh, growing up. Some of the other things that uh, that he happened to say uh, did not know, and I, I found it to be very interesting. I found him to be somebody, you know, sometimes you wonder when it comes to people in those positions. Like something I ask about Rob Manfred all the time, the baseball commissioner. Is this a guy who's passionate about baseball? Is this a guy who loves the game of baseball? And sometimes I can't tell with Manfred. Like, I know he likes making money. I know he likes being in charge. Uh, I, I know he likes all these things. But I don't know if he's passionate and loves the game of baseball. I always thought that John Mosellac probably did. Now I know. Like when when he was talking about 
when baseball is played well, when baseball is played perfectly, when a play is going on and every single player is moving in some form or fashion because there, you should be doing something even on a even on a ground ball outfielders should be should be coming in in case it gets by on a on a ball to right field the center fielder should be you know running in case it gets you know whatever there there is something for everybody to do on every single play and when he said that when that is being done correctly and perfectly that it's like listening to the symphony like i just I kind of got goosebumps. I kind of got chills when he said that. I loved, I loved that explanation. And only somebody who loves the game of baseball is going to uh, talk about it in that way. So uh, a big thank you to uh, John Mozalock for taking some time and uh, joining us. I hope you enjoyed listening to the conversation as much as I enjoyed being able to uh, to kind of facilitate it and, and ask the questions for sure. Are you looking for a truly unique event space? Cardinal Special Events can help to create memorable corporate and personal events in both Bush Stadium and Cardinals Nation Restaurant. For more information on options for an experience your guests won't stop talking about, visit cardinals.com slash events. All right, we will take the final break of the program. When we return, we'll really start to uh, preview spring training and everything that's got to happen between now and then. Mike Claiborne will uh, rejoin me in just a moment. It's, man, pitchers and catchers reporting in just a few weeks. Spring training games getting underway in just over a month. It is almost here. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show on the Cardinals Radio Network. For one final time, we welcome you back into the Countdown to Opening Day show here across the Cardinals Radio Network alongside Mike Claiborne. My name is Matt Pauley. Claibs, we are less than a month from pitchers and catchers reporting. It was fun when I was out on the caravan. Uh, I was listening to uh, some of the players talk about their plans of you know where they were going to be living and when they were going to be getting down to Jupiter. It is upon us where those plans and everything are being made right now. Yeah, this is a little bit of a hectic time for players, especially, you know, when you have guys that are free agents who still don't have a job, it's really uh, challenging for them. And even for guys who come to this organization who may be trained in Arizona or trained on the other side of the state and not familiar with the Palm Beach County area, you know, housing is important. Uh, whether you bring your family or not, maybe your kids are in school, there's a lot of things that logistically we don't take into account that are, you know, they get pushed up a little bit. And, you know, you know how Jupiter in this area can be. Housing can be a little bit of a challenge. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the pricing here is, is astronomical. Uh, and if you can get two months, you know, out of a place or Airbnb, then you're very fortunate. You may pay for it, but it's, it's one of those challenges that we don't take into account because we just think about players in uniform. But there are a lot of other things that take place well beyond uh, the games and, and certainly before the games. Yeah, if you're a free agent player right now and you are married and you've got kids and you always bring your, your wife and, and your kids to spring training with you and you don't know where you're going to go, that's, that's a lot to get figured out in a very short amount of time. Yeah, and if you don't have a partner who understands that, and normally the, the significance have a lot to do with that, but if you're single, you know, it, it, it's a little easier, but it's a challenge either way. Yeah, you know, John Mozeliak has made it pretty clear that the, they may be done in terms of trades, but when it comes to 
uh, acquiring players via free agency, there could still be something to be done. I don't think there's going to be anything major that happens between now and spring training, but it doesn't have to be major. Uh, it just has to be the pieces that fit in. And I think we could t- we've talked about every single week, Klaibs, it still feels like this bullpen could use a piece or two. I would agree with you. They they definitely could use some more help. And, and, you know, that's not to say they're done. I think that it may come down to a player just saying, hey, you know what? I'm looking around. Looks like the Cardinals might be a team that may work for me for maybe different reasons. Know somebody in the organization closer to your home. Uh, knowing your role is going to be more defined. Knowing some of the guys on the team. You, you just never know what sparks a person's reason on why they sign with a team other than money. Uh, I remember Miles Michaelis signing with the Cardinals over the Cubs because his favorite aunt lives in St. Louis Mm. and he loves spending time with her. And, uh, you know, those sort of things are just X factors that we don't take into account, but they certainly have something uh, of significance for those individuals. It's um, this is also the time where players are ramping up because it, you know, the, the cliche or the old adage is it used to be players came to spring training to get in shape. Now players are in shape when they get to spring training and it's about getting work done right away. And every single player that I talk to seems to have that attitude. They want to be able to show up to spring training and be able to just be fully in shape and just get better from a baseball standpoint. Well, you, you hit the nail on the head. I'll give you a good example on our caravan. Um, Brendan Donovan was on our caravan and he's obviously rehabbing the elbow and trying to still work on his swing. So we had a visit early that morning or that midday. And then we had a couple of hours of a break, you know, went back to the hotel, checked in, tried to get a quick nap. Brendan Donovan went back over to Springfield to their ballpark and hit. He had his hitting, he had his bats and his, and his glove and everything else. He stayed in his routine despite the fact that, you know, he had some extra time off. Uh, in the middle of the offseason, but that's the dedication that he's showing. And players are creatures of habit. They don't really want to get out of sync too often when it comes to the offseason. As you mentioned, ramping up, wanting to make sure they hit stride at a certain level. And, and what I would say this, they still play themselves in the shape because you can do all the running and lifting and everything you can you can do in the offseason, but you still have to get in that game shape uh, in going five, six, seven, even maybe eight innings along the way, you still want to make sure that you get enough pitching in against legitimate hitters compared to a statue or somebody who's wearing number 93 on his back. You want to make sure you get closer to that real game environment. And I'm of the belief this year, Matt, we're going to see guys play a little longer because one of the things I felt last season, this team was not truly ready to play from a conditioning standpoint. They seem to be a half step slow. I don't think that's going to be the case this season. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna. We've talked about. It. I'm gonna be really curious to see how different it looks last year compared to this year beyond the WBC. We've talked enough about the WBC, but just how different spring training looks because last year, in so many ways, it felt like the team was was ready to roll two weeks before spring training even ended. But now we kind of look back at that and say maybe it was a little bit of fool's gold. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um, it was something that um, we all kind of scratched our heads because, you know, they played so well in the spring, and I'm like, all right, here we go. And then somebody threw a bucket of water of reality in mm-hmm. their faces, and they just weren't able to re- respond in the manner that you would thought they would, and uh, hence the fact we had 91 losses. Yep. Klaibs, this is great. Uh, have a have a wonderful week, and uh, we'll do this again uh, coming up uh, next week. We'll be one week closer to Pitchers and Catchers reporting.
Well, we'll be on the high seas of the Caribbean this time next week, but Chip Carey and I will be together. So we will do something uh, on the cruise. The Cardinal cruise is, is sailing again. Uh, we have some very good alumni that's going to be on the cruise, including Ray Langford. Uh, we'll have uh, Kyle McClellan involved, uh, Kerry Robinson, Ray King, and uh, we'll have some fun. We'll have a lot of fun, and uh, we'll probably talk to those guys, but certainly you'll hear from us next week here on the uh, countdown to opening day. Awesome. That's Mike Claiborne. I'm Matt Pauley. Thanks to uh, everybody for being tuned in, and we'll talk to you next week again across the Cardinals Radio Network.